This is 51st Dates, and I'm your host, Jolie Moore. They say that hindsight is 2020. I decided to find out if that's true. Every week, I'm going to read a chapter from my memoir, 51st Dates, then give you the backstory and commentary on what really went down. It's been two whole years since I went on these dates, and I'll be experiencing them along with you as I read. We'll find out together if my future self learned anything. I don't know if I have anything figured out, but at least we'll share some laughs along the way. Dating in Southern California is nothing if not entertaining. Ready? Strap in. Let's go. Hey, it's Jolie Moore. You know, I'm about to... uh read uh chapter nine and um from the title i uh well i will emphasize that um it's been a year and i'm reading this along with you and um i know what happens um at the end because i was there but um you know it's so weird a year is a long time not really but you know in terms of dating (laughs) It's like dog years dating. And um, it's really interesting to think and remember um, about this because my recollection as I go along seems to have zero relationship to what I documented simultaneously with what was happening. And um, it's been interesting. This date... uh, well, I'm going to tell you what I think happened. Um, so there's this guy. Who knows what his name is? I'd have to go look at my phone again. Um, but I called him the Zen guy. And I, to be frank, I don't even know. I think now I'd probably swipe left on him. I don't even know why I swiped right. He was weird. He was weird and odd and, like, bizarre. And, like, you got to wonder. Like, a lot of people live on this earth and not all of them have it all together. Um by all together I mean you know having a home and a place to live in retrospect I wonder if he was like homeless or just uh what is the word I want to use transient um one of the weirdest sort of dates I ever had just weird um and who knows I I probably overdid it I think I think I overdid it in terms of getting dressed but I have like a little mm, a big uh cardigan and jacket habit actually yesterday i was on nordstrom.com buying a jacket and last week i was on lululemon buying a jacket and let me tell you my closet is 50 percent jackets maybe five percent pants because i only wear black pants so it's not that complicated and um the other side is a couple dresses um i don't like dresses that much and uh i think more jackets <laughs> and then purses and shoes um so if it were up to me i just wear black and then I'd accessorize it with um, a jacket of some kind, mostly black, shoes of some kind, or boots of some kind, mostly black, and purses. Actually, purses actually are not mostly black. I do like a statement purse, like a red purse. I bought a purple one um, this summer because I felt bad because of COVID. And I thought, you know what COVID needs? COVID needs four new purses. Um, and so I do actually have four new purses. Ridiculous. Um, my closet I think I'm, I'm thinking about building another shelf because I have really tall ceilings and adding a, a second purse shelf um 
just to not crush the, not crush the purses because um, they're all in little dust bags and they're all full of the tissue paper that they come with which is great because the tissue paper fits perfectly and um but I recently was looking through for some purse I was actually thinking about changing purses but then I started looking at the dust bags and I got overwhelmed because there's probably like 50 up there and um so I walked away from that um I don't even know what I want um I've been mostly exercising and I have nowhere to go so I try to tamp down on like designer purses or anything that's expensive that I'm going to just jam in the back of my car. So um, with nowhere to go, no purses, but still jackets. I really got to cut down on the jacket habit so much, but I'm wearing a lovely sweater on this night. I actually, I, I knew exactly what I was wearing. You know, don't worry a lot about the date, but I had a gray um, purse. It's a gray coach purse. I actually really like it um, with wood handles. Um, leather wrapped wood handles um i was wearing a lovely cardigan um i love free people so i see myself as this boho chic person with that sense of style i grew up on the east coast and i wear all conservative black clothes there's not a boho chic <laughs> vein in my body but in my head i'm like this like hippie freewheeling sort of person so <laughs> among the jackets or sweaters I buy, I do some, buy them sometimes from free people. And that's my way to like sort of just woo, be free. So I was wearing a cardigan from free people, the coach purse. Um, I was wearing black cashmere and um, motorcycle boots, which I do love. I love black motorcycle boots. It's like my new thing. And um, I don't uh, <laughs> I remember all of that. We were taking the Uber. I remember so much. So, you know, one of the things that I will do uh, with, I'm not sure how I'm going to do this, but I think on the podcast page, I will start adding in the pictures because I took, for the most part, it's kind of awkward with a date, be standing out with your phone, like taking pictures and like doing hashtags. So if you're on my Instagram, which is um, at XO, Jolie Moore, um, J-O-L-I-E-M-O-O-R-E, you will see... um, bunches of pictures from dates um where they were in southern california along with hashtags and some of them which are also out of the country but also with hashtags and um so i do have those but i'm going to like dredge them up because i think at some point i did organize them and um i will try to add pictures on the website so if you go to um joliemore.com backslash or forward slash i don't know slash podcast um, all the podcast episodes are listed and um, I think I'm going to go in and add pictures so you can see the environs for my date. This date was on Venice Beach. So let's get ready for number nine. Chapter nine, the Zen guy plus Thunderbolt Redux, February nine. All the way over from West Hollywood to Venice in the Uber, I kept reading and rereading the messages classic guy had sent to me the night before. So let's get it out in the open. I'm very, very attracted to you. To be honest, I want your kissable lips on mine the whole night. He'd texted after he'd gotten home. And like every time I'd read it before, a small shiver went through me with those words. The whole night had ended early because I'd liked him. The more I liked them, the less I knew I could give them. Because despite huge leaps in humanity and feminism, Ben still liked the chase. 
So this is why I was in this Uber riding down Venice Boulevard toward the beach to meet another geek date, who I call Zen Guy. I'd swiped right and matched on Tinder. Our online messages on the app had been fun and flirty. We talked about traveling in our top 10 destination bucket list. So I was excited to meet him in person. Plus, he was cute, of course, short hair, but I was willing to make exceptions from time to time. It was 7.45 in the evening. I directed the driver to 19th Street in the boardwalk like he'd texted. When I got out of the car, it was dark and deserted. And when the Uber driver gave me raised eyebrows that questioned the sanity of leaving me there, I nodded reluctantly. It was Los Angeles, not Mars. I could walk a block or two and get another Uber if push came to shove. I thanked the driver, slammed the car door, and watched the Nissan slip away into the dark night. I took in my surroundings, because that's what Smarkles do. I'd see too many episodes of Law & Order Special Victims Unit to be anything other than observant. Nearly everything was closed, and Zengai was nowhere to be found, except for Thunderbolt, who was precisely on the dot. Not a single guy had shown up on time. But I'd already ridden some 13 miles in LA traffic and wasn't eager to make the return trip right away. So I decided to wait. What are you wearing? I texted. Recognizing faces from online apps, no matter how cute, wasn't my specialty. Especially as what a guy thought was his best picture often wasn't his most current. Zen Guy was the world's slowest texter, and he didn't have an iPhone, so I had to wait for the green message bubble to appear. There were no dots to tell me he was typing. I hoped I didn't get an unattractive dowager's hump the way I was permanently hunched over my phone waiting for texts from guys these days. I'm dressed like a Brooklyn hipster carrying an orange backpack, popped up in green. That response straightened my spine in an instant. Was he serious or was his tongue firmly planted in his cheek? Brooklyn? Hipster? Orange? Backpack? I shivered in the cold ocean air, suddenly regretting this impulse to go on 51st dates. I'd had a good one on Friday. Why was I jinxing it with this Saturday nonsense? But I was already one $30 Uber ride and half an hour drive in. So I waited, took a picture for Instagram, then waited some more. In a few minutes, he walked up to me. Every other date I'd been on had been at a place. Tarte, Adante, Harlow, my apartment. This walking up was, well, odd. But hey, I was the cool girl, right? I could go with the flow. Jolie? It was him. I was kind of disappointed. He was cute, but he didn't live up to his pictures somehow. I can't say exactly why. He was in some way just less animated than his photo, if that's even possible. I nodded my greeting. This wasn't a huggable moment. He was in fleece-lined camouflage hoodie with the aforementioned hunting orange backpack. I kind of had to wonder if this was his usual dating outfit because I kind of felt like he wasn't even trying. Classic car guy had at least been trying. I'd made an effort. My sweater was black cashmere and I had flannel-lined leather motorcycle boots over leggings. We were not match-made in fashion heaven. At least Classic Car Guy had worn a sport coat and snakeskin cowboy boots. I thought he'd overdressed, but now I was touched that at least he'd made an effort. You look amazing in person, Zen Guy said. This was starting to be a theme. I wondered if there was something I could do about my online picture that represented me better, but I shrugged the thought away. Pleasant surprise had to be way better than grave disappointment. Thanks. What would you like to eat? I asked. Next to us was a beachside sushi stand on one part of the strand and a funnel cake stand on the other. I'd skipped lunch for this, so I hoped fried dough wasn't the only thing on offer. 
This was stupid, he said. I don't know why I suggest we meet at Muscle Beach when everything was closed. I'd wondered the same thing, but just nodded my head, putting on an easygoing, cool girl mask. No problem, let's walk toward the light over there. Quickly we passed a few open restaurants, but he didn't so much as glance at any of the sidewalk menu stands. What do you eat? I asked. I always swipe left on admitted vegans, vegetarians, and picky eaters. But it was entirely possible that his cute online photo had made me overlook that detail in his profile. It wasn't that I didn't like vegans' lifestyle. It was a, I was a live-and-let-live kind of girl. It was that they were hell to take to restaurants, even in Southern California, where accommodating the fad diet of the moment was a thing. I'm an omnivore, he said. I tried to hide my relief, though it was short-lived, as he continued. But I only eat organic food. No GMOs or Roundup can enter this body, he finished. I used to grow and harvest all my own food. Hmm, I nodded. That was all well and good. But we weren't bringing anything from his farm to a table in Venice anytime in the next few minutes, and my stomach was protesting the delay. I do like fish, though. It's why I like to hang out by the beach. I didn't mention that fishing off the Los Angeles coast was verboten because years of pollution made it unhealthy. There were signs everywhere warning amateur fishermen not to take anything home to eat. Hey, I pointed. What about that sushi place over there? I don't eat much at sushi restaurants because, of course, sushi restaurants serve fish. I didn't go down that rabbit hole. Instead, I took the lead, walked a few steps to the establishment, and asked the hostess for a table. Whether he followed was up to him. He didn't protest. I can probably find something to eat, he said as he weaved his way through the busy tables. Once we were seated, I gave him my most interested smile, leaned in, and asked, So what do you do? It wasn't the most genuine I'd ever been, but we had at least a couple of hours together, and I wanted to make the best of it. I travel the world instructing people on spiritual traditions, he said. I'm famous in many circles for my knowledge of indigenous peoples of the earth. But I really can't talk about it. A lot of what I do is top secret. This was not the first top secret answer I had gotten. I'd had to unmatch from a very cute guy on OKCupid who claimed to work for the CIA, because I thought his definition of CIA may be married. I'd once had a cousin-in-law who did work for the CIA. I know there's a building in Virginia full of CIA employees, not to mention the countless spooks we all assumed were operating underground throughout the world. And I have no idea how they dated, because not being able to talk about a third of your life seems like it would be awkward. But I wasn't buying anything top secret from Zen Guy. Spiritual tradition didn't seem like the kind of job to come with the confidentiality oath. I decided to give the topic of how he supported himself a wide berth. He was free to keep his secrets. I changed the subject. And you're living in Redondo Beach? It was the reason we'd met in Venice. I thought it was a fair halfway meeting point. Redondo Beach was in the South Bay, a good 45-minute drive from West Hollywood. I didn't want to be that far away should a date go south, or even if it went well. It was a long and lonely ride home at 11 at night, and especially so at 2 a.m. Only temporarily, he said, at a crash pad with a couple of roommates. One of the guys is in a wheelchair, and I'm helping him out a bit. I don't really have one place I call home, although I have to go to New York City next month for a dentist appointment. He didn't mention that this was the biggest non-sequitur, nor that there were thousands of dentists in Los Angeles. I'm thinking he knew that. And crash pad? Whatever chance he'd had of getting laid went up in smoke like steam coming from the rice warmer behind the sushi shops. 
I didn't do crash pads and roommates. I'm not against either in theory, but I'm developing a few rules as I go about this dating thing. First, I haven't been back to a guy's house. I'm not one of those people who's worried about a serial killer at every turn, but I feel like there are a hundred ways, or maybe just a handful of ways, a visit to some unknown man's house could go sideways. Add in more people I don't know, and I couldn't find a way any of that crash pad stuff would make me feel comfortable. The second reason he wasn't getting laid? He didn't pass the Tiffany Haddish test. On an episode of Jada Pinkett Smith's Red Table Talk, Haddish had spoken about her weird hobby of taking pictures of penises or keeping notes on them or something that involved a catalog of cocks she'd known. That part, though a bit bizarre, wasn't what really had stood out for me. It had been her assertion that if a guy didn't keep his fingernails clean, he did not keep his penis clean. I didn't have enough personal experience to confirm her theory, but it had sounded so plausible and well thought out that I had kept it at the forefront of my mind. When Zen Guy picked up his menu, his fingernails were not clean. That, combined with him completely not bringing his best self to the date, crossed him off the list of people I'd ever possibly sleep with. Fortunately, the waitress appeared then, so I didn't have to get any more specific on the crash pad. Bubbly and effervescent, our server asked for our drink orders. I got an Arnold Palmer, half unsweetened iced tea, half lemonade. After hitting three strong drinks the night before, I needed to keep my wits about me and remain as sober as a judge. Zen guy? You know, the one who said he only ate organic, GMO-free food raised by his own hands? He said, I'll have a Coke. I didn't give him a speech on the genetically modified high fructose corn syrup that was in his drink. I couldn't see how an argument would do either of us any good. This guy's stories were as full of holes as Swiss cheese. I'd have ordered popcorn if I could, because I could see this was going to be an entertaining night, if nothing else. For the next three hours, we talked about growing up in the East Coast and traveled to places in the world far and wide. Despite all the things that would keep me from sleeping with him, that night or any other night ever, I still enjoyed getting to know new people. As long as I stayed away from the third rail of sacred traditions and the joy of crashing on someone's floor well past 30, he was okay to talk to. I did the thing I always did when I wasn't interested. I asked my dates about themselves. Men love to talk about themselves. It keeps the focus away from me and the chase they love so much. To complete this act, I lean in making sure my face is at a great angle and keep my hand under my chin. If, wi- if I widen my eyes and blink a lot, They never think to ask a thing about me. I will have to say that I was surprised when he offered to pay for dinner when we were done. I honestly didn't think a guy like him would have cash, much less a credit card. I offered a $10 tip for the waitress and considered it my good deed for the day. When we got outside, I pulled my thick cardigan around me. We were in the depths of the Los Angeles winter with a brisk 50 degree breeze coming off the nearby ocean. You smoke the ganja, he asked. I shook my head, but lifted my hand toward him. Feel free to indulge, I said. Zen guy continued to surprise me. I have to say, didn't see that coming, though I should have. It seemed that guys in LA have exactly two go-to icebreakers, booze and pot. He took a toke or three, filling the air with the fragrant smell of marijuana smoke before he offered it to me. There's tobacco in there as well, he said. Bonus! A smoker, I thought. This just got better and better. I kind of wanted to Google the latest articles on how American tobacco companies had genetically modified plants to have twice the nicotine and therefore twice the addictive quality and text the results to him. Between that and the soda, I wanted to tell him he was polluting that 
body he claimed to hold so dear. But I demurred. Maybe he'd get an earful from his New York dentist. So I'm going to go, I said, pulling up my phone from my purse. In seconds, I'd pulled up the rideshare app and was summoning a car. It was great meeting you, he said. I gave him a swift hug. He went in for a kiss. I wonder if it was the mouths of Tinder dates that had me fighting back this cold I couldn't quite shake. You are really cute, he shouted through the door as he closed me in the blue Nissan Versa that would take me home. As the driver made a U-turn away from the ocean and toward my place in West Hollywood, I settled in for the 30-minute ride, trying not to feel too sorry for myself. Friday's date had still been amazing, even if I turned into drinky girl. Saturday had been a total bust. I fingered my phone again, bringing up classic car guy's texts. I was nervous, he'd typed, after he'd texted me about having a great time. It reassured me that maybe there was a chance that I'd meet a great guy who was as into me as I was into him when I was ready. When I could be a girl who could express her feelings in the spot and not hours later behind the screen of the phone and the protection of the little blue bubbles. While the driver was cruising his way up Fairfax Avenue, my phone buzzed. It was Zen Guy blowing a kissing emoji, accompanied by the words, nice meeting you. My phone vibrated against my thigh again. The next text was from Zen Guy. It was a bathroom selfie of him, shirt lifted at one shoulder, an almost perfect mimic of six of the top ten selling romance novel covers, and there was nothing wrong with the physical merchandise. He was ripped. Something between top secret spiritual missions and despite the two cokes he'd had, he had time to work out. Trade you a pick for a pick, read the caption. I didn't delete it because a girl can always use a little man candy, but there was no way in heck I was going to respond to that request for nudes. I'd seen that ploy one time too many. I was old enough to know better. Once I sent a picture of my tits, I'd never be able to control where that snapshot went. I ignored that and vowed once again not to stare at the last of classic car guy texts for the thousandth time. I turned the phone over in my lap and it buzzed again, this time from a New York City mobile area code. It took me a second, but the number was quickly replaced by my date from two weeks ago, Thunderbolt. Did you get the massage at the place on La Cienega? I looked out the car window at the glowing lights of the windows at Park La Brea complex as I tried to remember the last conversation I'd had with him. Then I remember that he'd like to indulge in massages all kinds across the Southland, both the legal kind and the not-so-legal happy ending kind. Then I smiled big because the universe had just dropped something great into my lap, my do-over with Thunderbolt. Oh God, I finally responded. Not yet. I cashed in a gift card last week for some place in La Brea. That part was true. He changed my life in just the littlest way, reminding me that I could enjoy a small indulgence like a massage during work hours. It had been good. But she's the best, he said, vouching for his preferred massage therapist at a place on La Cienega in West Hollywood. Have you been getting your regular, I asked him. He seemed like a guy who didn't have any qualms about indulging in a little bit of everything. Nah, working too much, he said. Need one, though. I flipped through what I remembered of our time together. Most of my memory hadn't been about the conversation. And God knew, after a date with Zen Guy, which had exhausted my indulgent spirit, I wasn't in the mood to offer my untrained hands at massage. It's on my list, I demurred. I'm in an Uber right now on my way home. Are you feeling good about your progress? I asked about the film project he was working on. That, I did remember. We talked quite a bit about it as we gotten to know each other, the little bit necessary to feel comfortable hooking up. Yeah, actually, screened it tonight, and I'm like, oh, just a bunch of tiny things. Like, the structure is good, just a bit more finesse. I know this feeling, but I have a friend who says that the perfect is the enemy of the good enough. 
She said this when I refused to let go of a book, I mused. Well, that much was true. Letting go of Letting a book out of my hands was the hardest part about being an author, knowing that no matter how long you worked on it, it wouldn't be perfect. Drove me bananas. I'd say come over, but I caught a cold he texted next. I'm sorry to hear that you're sick, and God knew I was sorry. My fantasies of a mirage were quickly being squelched. I knew without Thunderbolt to distract me, I'd be back in the dark looking at classic car guys' texts again. Lord knew that kind of obsessing wasn't healthy for any female out of puberty. Yeah, bummer. It happens, especially when working 24-7 materialized on three little dots on my phone. I agree, but I, th- I, but I overthink projects, I said, returning to the work conversation. I loved creative people, sick or well, hook up or not. Well, you seem very heady in general, he said, echoing the first time he'd been over, and I'd been too in my head to enjoy the sex as much as I'd have liked. Get loose, baby, he texted next. I totally am working on it, seriously. And I was very seriously thinking about it. I did not want a repeat performance of Friday, me indulging in too many drinks and still not able to tell a guy that I found him attractive, that I liked him much more in person than I had even over days of texting. It harkened back to the insecure 17-year-old I'd been and the insecure 25-year-old who'd signed up for more than a dozen years of an emotionally and physically abusive relationship. I wanted to be anything but that girl again. Nice, Thunderbolt typed, jolt me back to the present and my vow to loosen up. It's a very current goal, I said, Friday night's drinky girl scene at the forefront of my mind. All good, I'd bone you, anyway, but glad to hear. I'm totally up for that, I said, because suddenly I was very much up for that. A good hour or two of indulging in pleasure and thinking about all the ways I'd effed up my life from the day I'd married my ex years ago through last night at the bar around the corner. Alas, you're too sick now, I asked, knowing I was baiting him, knowing that his baser instincts would very much override his common decency to not spread germs throughout the city. Says the girl at Fairfax and Third, I typed after I looked up to see just how close I was to my place and his. That first night, we discovered that we'd lived less than a mile apart. I mean, I'd like to fuck you, but I don't want to get you sick. But it was as if you, if the winking dots were showing his weakness. As I'm getting over a cold, I'm not sure I care, I'd said, and I didn't. I was so over the virus that I'd been trying to shake for nearly two weeks. Even if we somehow recontaminated each other, it would be worth it. Like I knew he would, Thunderbolt relented. Okay, want to come over and get fucked? I'm totally up for it. Where? As I waited for a response, I wondered why it was so easy to be honest with him now and why it had been so hard for me to be honest the night before. His address popped up on the smartphone screen. I looked out the windows again, and we were nearly at my house. Let me ask about a diversion, I said, looking at my driver for the first time in the half hour we'd been in the car together. He pulled over and looked back at me. It was past 11 at night. I imagined that James, the name on the Uber screen, glowing back at me above the picture of a blue Nissan, had done this dance a few times before. Can I change the destination? I read the address and the driver typed it into his own smartphone. He's changing it now, I typed a thunderbolt. We just drove by my building. I said, letting him know that my ETA was less than five minutes. I'll come down when you're here, he said. And in five minutes, there he was, my super cute, sweet-faced hookup from a couple weeks ago. Even though he typed a mean game, throwing around the words bone and fuck, he couldn't help the nice Boston Irish boy his mother had raised. He held the door for me. He offered me the bathroom, water, a seat on his couch, even cold medicine. Sometime between getting me there and getting comfortable, the lights had all gone soft and he'd lit candles. 
The things I'd remembered about him did not disappoint. He was a generous lover, but still whispered to desires. With the cold blocking my ears, it was even more difficult to hear this time around. But somehow, we worked it out. After the first round, because I did remember that about him, that he liked to do it twice, we talked about story structure and the creative process. He asked me about my dates, and I ended up spilling how stupid I'd been the night before. So did you bone the guy you like, he asked from the pillow. I pulled the other pillow under my own head and looked back at him. God, no, I want to see him again. And that's why you're here with me? And that's why I'm here with you, I confirmed. Then let's go again, he said. Okay, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff I forgot, but I do remember that. Um, so what can I say about uh, his apartment? So, uh, Thunderbolt, his name, I remember, like, you know, nothing. Um, so he actually lives, like, I don't know, I could walk to his house from here, to be frank. Um, I pass by it actually all the time because he lives near a grocery store um, that's around the corner. So, um... I do pass this place all the time. He does live exceedingly close. It is creepy. And uh, anyway, he lives in a studio apartment. It's a rent control apartment in West Hollywood. It's fairly innocuous. Um, what what was it about the apartment? I actually never went into his bathroom. I've actually never been to his bathroom. Um, so he offered it. I didn't go. So I must have gone before I left the sushi restaurant. That I don't remember. But, um, but it seems like a thing I would do before getting into a car for 30 minutes. So, um, what do I want to say? Oh, he's so adorable. I still adore him. Uh, but I, you know that cause I keep saying it. Um, I don't know. He lived in a studio. He was sick. His like entire kitchen was filled. I swear to God with like 10 different like kinds of NyQuil. Um, what else do I remember? I don't know. It was actually clean. Like, fairly clean. Like, you know, not surgery suite clean like my apartment, but fairly clean. For So for somebody who complained about, um, complained, pointed out how neat I was, he wasn't a total mess. What was really weird about him is he had all white sheets and a white, like, duvet. And I'm thinking, really? Like, white? And then the other thing about his apartment, so it was February, um, is that he had the heat on super high. Um, and I don't keep my heat super high, but that's used to like frugal parents on the East coast. So, you know, like my grandparents, you'd go to their houses and they'd be like super hot. And then, um, my house was always super cold cause my mom didn't want to pay for heat. So, um, so his apartment was like super hot and, um, bed super comfortable. He did have candles, like real candles. Um, and actually later, I think there's a story about the candles, but um, so he had real candles and he had, and I've never seen this. I gotta go see if this is a thing. I should have looked this up on Amazon. He had a box of, um, Magnum condoms. Um, a lot of people buy Magnum. Not anybody needs it. He needed it. So he had a box, but they were like, like, it was like, um, like a stamp roll. So like it came in a box of a hundred and you just like pull them out. Like the toilet paper and you pull it out and you pull one off and you pull it out and you pull another one off. That I'd never seen before or again. He had it on a shelf like in the middle of his living room or, well, it's a studio in the middle of the room. Um, the other really interesting thing um, he had, which I thought was in here, but I guess I didn't write about it. So I don't know a lot about, well, actually, I now know a lot about documentary filmmaking, but at the time I did not. 
But what was interesting is, um, so, you know, he's a storyteller and I'm a storyteller. So we have this in common, but I write, um, I'm a pantser, which means I write by the seat of my pants. I start a chapter one, I end a chapter, whatever. I don't go back and forth in books. I just like write in a linear fashion, which I find, well, it just works for me. So that's just what I do. Um, other writers write differently and they do what works for them. But what was so interesting, so I don't do all of the things that I know that authors do. Like they have like storyboards and like notes and I don't know, like a lot of stuff going on. I, my life's not that complicated. So what he had on his wall next to like his Mac, you know, like the, the huge Mac that all the people use, well, in LA for editing, he had like all of these index cards, like, and I believe they're color coded. And he had all these index cards like taped up where he had storyboarded out like the beats for the documentary. And we actually did talk a lot about that. It was super fascinating to watch, like, you know, so I can't tell you what this documentary was, is about because it's too obvious. You can just look him up and I'm protecting his anonymity. See how lovely I am? No. So <laughs> to be frank, he, um, you know, it's a documentary and you film like pieces over time or whatever. And I think the running time was one hour. No, it was 130 minutes. That's, I think that's my best recollection of it. Um, well, he kept trimming, so who knows? But I think that's what it landed at. And what was interesting is so, you know, it's a story. Like, you know, doc, the best documentaries um, tell like a compelling story. And that's what keeps you interested to get the information about whatever it is that the filmmaker is trying to convey. So what he had on his wall were the beats for the story um, that the documentary was trying to tell. And it was like, oh, wow, that's so interesting because I'd never thought about how to put a documentary together. Like I know people who put, you know, films together, but there's a script and, you know, you know, there's a story and you don't have to like, you know, you pick which scene is the best or which cut is the best or which angle, you know, the actors are the best or whatever that is. But there is a story to follow because there is already a screenplay. Um, so making a documentary, you know, you have to. I guess, well, decide either before what you think the story is going to be and then film and then see if that indeed is the case or film all of these things and then put them together into the story, which is how he did it, I think. Um, and it was actually really super fascinating and super interesting. Um, and this is why I love creative people. Um, anyway, that's, uh, that's how that night went. It was a good night. I got no complaints about how that day. The date was a bust. Venice was freaking cold. But um, Thunderbolt's house was warm and cozy. I'm Jolie Moore, and this has been 51st Dates, the podcast. If you enjoyed listening, I hope you'll share, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts. It will help others find the craziness that is dating in Southern California. Also, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you'd like to read ahead, my memoir, 51st Dates, is available wherever books are sold. A link is always included in the show notes. I'm also a romance writer. If you want to know more about my books, please visit joliemore.com for more information. You can also follow me on Instagram at xojoliemore and on all social media at the same handle, XO Jolie Moore. Thanks for listening, and I'll be in your ears next week.